Well, good evening. It's good to see those who are here in person. It's a different environment in here tonight. If you're not here with us, you're missing uh, the new set setup for since they've removed uh, our pews. And so I uh, encourage you to come this Sunday if you can. I uh, want to welcome those of you who are uh, here on our phone live streaming or any of those platforms that we have there, uh, whether it's Facebook or whether it's uh, YouTube or whether it's uh, Twitter, be sure to like, to heart, to share, uh, subscribe there, follow us. All that uh, helps you to get those notifications when we go live. Uh, we want to encourage you, especially for tonight, if you're giving us any uh, prayer requests, uh, to do that on Facebook. That's where we'll see the live requests there. I have that up on my phone, and I do know at least some audio is coming through, so hopefully this audio is coming through. Uh, let me encourage you, too, if you have the access to uh, the website, oh, and let me welcome those who are on our phone live streaming also. Uh, if you need that number, we'll be glad to give that to you. But if you have access to the website, I encourage you to go to highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's there that you can download uh, this week's worship bulletin. Those are in the windowsills and at the doors uh, as you enter, so you can pick up one of those in person. The children's worship bulletins are in the windowsill to my right. There's ages 3 and up and ages 7 and up, so be sure to take advantage of those. You can download that from the church website there. You can send the link to anybody you want. Use it as a form of our Reach. You have your uh, newsletter for this month that's on there also under that info tab and then also under the info tab is where you get tonight's prayer list so be sure to take the opportunity and do that uh, too and then while you're there on the church website go to the far right hand side uh, click the give online tab you can do your online giving there real easy platform that you can set up you can set your online giving up uh, you can even designate your offerings as you need to there so I encourage you to take the time to do that uh, but again welcome to those of you who have joined uh, with us uh, we don't have our sound person this up there tonight so I'm kind of running this but Mike's gonna do our our song so Mike if you'll come on have you been to Calvary is that what you were playing uh, Reba knows that song and I don't know that one but I'm gonna learn that one I love the sound you, have you been, been to Calvary okay well since you don't have hymn books so you can't turn and follow me but you can look at the screen uh, we're singing Only Trust Him tonight, and we're going to do all four verses. Miss Pat. Come, every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord, and He will surely give you rest. By trusting in his word, only trust him, only trust him, only trust him now. He will save you, he will save you, he will save you now. For Jesus shed his prayer. Save you, he will save you. 
turn this microphone off and turn this one on. Can you still hear me good? Okay. Because this one usually picks up better for the recording uh, online there. Just shut it off. Okay. So if you're there on Facebook, be sure. I see somebody said it's coming through loud and clear <laughs> at home. So that's good. Uh, glad to have that information and for you to share that uh, with us. Um, Hopefully, you've had the opportunity to get your prayer list downloaded. If you, everybody got one in person? Okay, I think so. Uh, as you take a look at your prayer list there, and if you're at home, please be sure to share with us uh, any requests that you might have uh, there in the comments on Facebook, and we can be able to share those with us in the live service. We think we have most of the updates on the list, and then I was given uh, some this evening. So. Uh, we'll go through and, and update some of those. Um, as you'll notice, uh, on the Highland Baptist Church family side, we've added uh, Phil Henderson. He's going to be having a knee replacement surgery in August is when they've got that scheduled for, but he's got several tests that he's going to have to go through uh, before that surgery happens. And so uh, just pray for him up, and up through that time as he goes through those tests. I think he's got a stress test coming up uh, next week, so want to keep him... Uh, in our prayers there. Miss Sandra Wells has several kidney stones, and so we added her last week. Uh, she also has a torn tendon, and uh, she's going to be getting that surgery scheduled. Uh, I've not heard an update from Leanne of whether that's been scheduled yet, uh, but do want to remember that in prayer. And then we've had Miss Frida Anderson on the friends and family side, um, and uh, she passed away uh, this past week, and so uh, we want to remember that family uh, in your prayers. That's Dr. Anderson's mother. Um, also, we've added last week on the friends and family side, Hunter Cruz, which is my cousin's uh, son. Uh, she has cancer. She's up on, further up on the list there, Cindy Cruz. Uh, but her son also has colon cancer, too. And so we want to remember him uh, in our prayers. And I think he's in his early 30s, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So remember him in your prayers. Uh, any other updates or 
any prayer requests that you may have. I know that you mentioned one to me, Miss Pat. Okay, and so that's for Jake Campbell. That's on your friends and family side. Uh, they're not going to do surgery right now. Uh, they're going to do extensive rehab, and hopefully that'll help uh, with the issues that he has. What about Oliver? Okay, so Oliver's blood work dropped again. So we want to keep him uh, in our prayer still. Yes. Okay, and so that's uh, Henry Fortner that's on your prayer list there, who's at Erlanger there. Uh, we want to continue to remember him in prayer. He had six feedings in a row, uh, so that was a good sign, but has to go 48 hours uh, without uh, needing that extra there So before they go home. So we just want to continue to pray uh, there, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. And so Miss Pat was telling us that she had spoken to Jim Hess and that David's uh, treatments that he's going through, David Hess, with, for his cancer, is not taking as extensive a toll on him as it did uh, before. And so we praise the Lord for that, that he does go every Friday uh, for that and uh, is, was able to go back and to coach a uh, younger team that he is uh, teaching there. So I want to remember him in prayer still with that so praise the lord for that any others if you're at home be sure to comment there in the comments on facebook if you have any requests that you want to share with us we'll give just a few minutes more So if you take a look down the Highland Baptist Church family, is there anybody anyone knows of in here that we need to add or that we need an update on? Anyone else? Anybody at home? I don't see any there online. So let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer then, and we'll get right into our Bible study for tonight. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the blessings that you've given us. We thank you for watching over us and taking care of us. We thank you, uh, Heavenly Father, for your spirit uh, being with us. Uh, Father, that even when we are apart from one another, you're with us. And when we join together, you're certainly with us, as your word has promised. Where two or three are gathered together, there you are in the midst of them. And so, Father, we come before you thanking you for that, uh, recognizing, God, that you're a holy and a righteous God, uh, that you're a loving God, you're a forgiving God, and you have forgiven us of our sins. When we confess of our sins, you, 
You forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. You cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. And so, Father, as we come to you tonight before a holy and righteous God, we recognize our sinfulness, and we ask, Heavenly Father, for you to forgive us of our sin. Whatever sin we may have in our lives, help us to specifically confess those things before you. There may be things in our lives, whether it's thoughts or, or, or things, maybe, Lord, we didn't realize we did that were sinful. And, Father, I pray that you'll shine the word, the light of your truth onto those things in our lives to, to help us to see those things so that we might confess them. We pray also that you would shine the light of the truth of your word before us, that your word would be a lamp unto us, uh, uh, unto our feet, a light unto our path, to guide us in every step that we take so that we don't turn to the right or to the left, but we stay focused on you, doing all you would have us to do, living for you, serving you, following you, being faithful to you, so that when we do commit any sin in our life, we might confess it instantly and, and confess those things and repent of it. Uh, not just to say I'm sorry, but to turn away from it, Lord, and to turn to follow you. And Father, I pray that as we do that, may you fill us with the indwelling of the power of the Holy Spirit to empower us and, and enable us to live the Christian life that you've called us to live. And so, Father, we pray that you will guide us each and every day. Give us strength, give us wisdom, give us discernment uh, of all the decisions that we have to make throughout the day. Because we want to bring glory and honor to you in everything we do, including what we may think are the little things uh, that can make a huge impact and a difference in someone else's life. And so, Father, uh, we just give you the glory and the honor for all that you have been doing, all that you're going to be doing. And, Father, we want to come before you tonight and intercede on behalf of each one of these that are on this prayer list. Lord, there may be others who we didn't speak of. There may be other unspoken needs that we have upon our hearts. And we just want to uplift all of those things to you, knowing that you are capable you are able, you are more powerful, uh, Lord, than, than anything to be able to take care of these problems in our lives. And so we surrender them completely to you. We ask, Lord, for your will to be done, for your name to be glorified and honored. So, Father, I pray that you will uh, just do your healing work in these people's lives to bring the healing they need. May it be a powerful witness and testimony of your saving grace and your mercy. Uh, so that those, Lord, who are not Christians would uh, see Christ working in their hearts and lives through these events that they're going through to cause them to turn to faith in Christ. Father, I pray that you will use us to testify uh, of your great and mighty works as you bring these uh, healings. Lord, we thank you so much uh, for the work you've done in, in individuals' lives already, the testimony of, of good reports that we've heard tonight of improvements. And Father, we just pray that you will continue uh, to show yourself faithful, continue, God, to bring the healing that needs to be there in these people's lives, not just for their sake, but for your name's sake. Uh, Lord, that it might be a testimony and witness of you and your power and your glory. So, Father, surround each one of these people with your love. Surround them with your grace and your mercy and your loving kindness. Let them know you're with them, even as they walk through these valley times. Lord, there may be those who are on our prayer list who are, who are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And Father, whether that's uh, something that's to come yet for them or, or a loved one in their life, or, or maybe they have lost a loved one, uh, Lord, we pray for your comfort and your peace upon their hearts. 
uh, Lord, to uh, fill them with your spirit to be used by you. So, Lord, we bring all these requests to you. We bring our church and everything that we do as a church before you. We ask, Lord, that you will uh, bless us as a church. Uh, as we go through the days ahead, help us to stay focused on you. Help us to stay walking with you uh, closer than we have the day before. And Father, I pray that as you draw us closer to you and as you draw closer to us, Father, I pray that we will become more powerful and effectual in our prayers, uh, in our walk with you. Uh, Lord, that we would uh, be giving a witness not only in our words by what we say, but also in our actions that that would match up with our words. So bless us tonight as we come again to the book of Micah. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you will bless chapter 3. As we go through this chapter, help us to see uh, your word, help us to understand your truth. And Father, I pray that your word will be powerful, alive, and relevant for where we are in our hearts and in our lives today. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen and amen. Well, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Micah. In the book of Micah, we're looking at chapter 3. Hopefully this will connect. There we go. I've entitled the message tonight, uh, Pay Attention. So pay attention. <laughs> so if you're looking for the book of Micah, find uh, the Gospel of Matthew and just turn back a few books from there and you'll be able to find uh, that wonderful little, little book uh, that's found here. Uh, it's right after the book of Jonah. We have already looked at chapter 1 uh, and chapter 2, and tonight we're looking at chapter 3, verses 1 through verse 12. We've said this before, but it bears saying again as we have new people join us each week, uh, that as we look at these minor prophets, uh, we need to remember uh, that as we call them minor prophets, they're not minor uh, in their message, they're just minor in their size. Uh, there are books that we call major prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, some of those books that are larger, Daniel's even one of those. Um, those are larger books, but their content is just as relevant and just as powerful in the smaller books as it is in the larger books. Now, in chapter 3, we find that Micah's second message is at the heart of this book, and it focuses on Israel's future. Now, first, Micah rebuked the leaders of the nation for their sinful conduct, which God is going to judge in chapter 3. And knowing that God has such an awesome future plan for their nation, as we're going to find out when we get to chapter 4, God's wanting to bless them. God wants to bless us. But so often what happens is our sin gets in the way of that blessing. And, and so uh, that's what we're going to see here tonight, that even though they know, as the prophet has been sharing with them, uh, the wonderful future that God has for them, that ought to have motivated uh, the leaders to turn from their sins and to obey the Lord. It ought to have motivated them when they heard judgment is coming. But they didn't even pay attention to the sermon uh, when here Micah rebukes them for, for their sins, and especially as we're going to see as he rebukes them for the sins of the leaders. 
And so uh, one of the commentators that I came across, James Montgomery Boyce, uh, opens his commentary of Micah chapter 3 by pointing us to the balance of power. And you're going to see how that relates to this passage in chapter 3 uh, in particular. But the balance of power uh, that's featured in our American governmental system. Uh, he said in his commentary that our government, as we know, is comprised of three semi-independent branches, each of which has unique privileges, including a check on the powers of the others. Uh, and he provides in his commentary there in the beginning of chapter 3 kind of a quick civics lesson. Uh, there's the executive branch. Uh, who directs that? Civics lesson tonight. President. President is the executive branch, uh, and the, he has the power to originate programs, but it, his power, the executive branch's power, is, is balanced by the Congress. Congress, the legislative branch, holds the purse strings, if you will. Uh, it, it has to fund those things, and if Congress doesn't fund it, those programs don't come into existence. Uh, Congress has the right uh, with its two chambers, with the Senate and the House, to make laws, and that power is not absolute because that's checked by the judicial branch, uh, which is what we uh, refer to eventually at the higher courts as the Supreme Court. And so the judicial branch, the Supreme Court, and the lower courts have the right to declare any of those laws as unconstitutional, not conforming to our nation's founding documents. To add further uh, layer to the checks and balances, the president has the right to appoint with the Congress, and Congress also holds the right to impeach presidents and justices. Uh, they're designed to work together, he said in his commentary, and we know that also, uh, and or serve as kind of guardians, if you will, uh, to keep one branch or the other from going rogue. James Montgomery Boyce, though, wrote this back in 1986 and asked this question. What if all three branches were corrupt and worked hand in hand to oppress the country's citizens? That's an important question to ask because Micah knew the answer to that question. Because he, along with the rest of his nation, were living it out in real time. Micah addresses three groups within the nation in this message. Those who ruled, they were the decision makers of the nation. The prophets, who, who were making it easy for the corrupt officials to carry on with their evil deeds. Uh, they were supposed to be God's mouthpiece to the nation. Uh, they were supposed to be the nation's conscience. And then the leaders, the rest of the leaders of the land, the civil authorities, the other leaders, the priests, and those uh, who knew and applied uh, God's law. But what we find in Micah is they all failed. They all failed. Uh, they failed God. They failed the people. They rejected justice. And so we come to verse 1 and the beginning of verse 2, and here's what the Scripture says. Micah says in his message, and I hope I have this right, yep. He says, And I said, Hear you heads of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know justice, you who hate the good and love the evil? And so we're just going to stop right there for just a moment, and we'll catch on into the rest of verse 2 in just a moment. But just like with Micah's other two messages, uh, the, with other, his other message, the second message opens with a call for people to hear. Uh, and that's what he begins here uh, to say. And I said, hear, uh, you heads. And so he's wanting them to hear uh, this message, what the Lord would say through his servants. It's through Micah, uh, that, uh, that had shouted, uh, listen, God is speaking, this is important. 
you need to listen to what I'm saying, to what all these other prophets have been saying of God. Uh, that reminds us of the Lord's repeated admonition throughout the Bible for us in the New Testament uh, that we see in many places that says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, pay attention to what the Word of God has to say. Or, or the warning that's in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 25 that says, See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. So, so the writer of Hebrews there is pointing back to the Old Testament uh, Israel and saying if they didn't listen, and they even by not listening because they refused, and they didn't escape God's judgment, how about us? We're not going to escape God's judgment either. And, and what the Bible is telling us there is that it's a dangerous thing to turn a deaf ear to the voice of the Lord when he speaks through his word. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7 goes on to say, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. And so all the way back, even before Micah is writing this, uh, the people had been rebelling against God way back there when they were wandering uh, in the wilderness. And, and even through the time of the established kingdom, as long as they had a godly king who was focusing them in the right direction, uh, following God's prophets, things went great and the nation was being blessed. But every time those kings passed off the scene, the people went back to their wicked ways, back to their own devices. And so uh, it's interesting to note that all creation responds to the voice of God and gladly obeys his will, except for us who are made in God's image. And yet the Father lovingly says to us in Proverbs chapter 7 and verse 24, And now, O sons, listen to me, and be attentive to the words of my mouth. And so Micah opens his message by rebuking. The first group that he rebukes, he rebukes those uh, who ruled in verse 1 uh, down through verse 4. Uh, these are those civil authorities. In verse 1, he asks this rhetorical question. And I said, hear you heads of Jacob, rulers of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know justice? Now, he wasn't expecting an answer from them. This is a rhetorical question. Uh, to remind them, it's your job to know justice. It was their job, their responsibility, to know what is right and to know what is wrong according to the law of God. It wasn't their responsibility to create or write the law. God had already given the law. And so uh, it was their job to apply God's word. It was their job to enforce the law with wisdom and to apply the truth uh, of God to, the, to, to life. And, and understand this about these leaders. They weren't trafficking in truth. They were trafficking in lies. And, and the problem wasn't just wasn't that they were ignorant. They knew the law. They knew the truth. The problem wasn't incompetence. Uh, they knew what they were doing. The problem wasn't apathy. Uh, they cared deeply about the wrong things. It was a deliberate choice to reject what they knew to be true and right in order to embrace what was wrong. And so Micah puts it this way, as we saw in verse 2 a moment ago, you are you who hate the good and love 
the evil. These were men, individuals who were not only permitting at this time, as we're going to see in the nation of Israel, uh, they weren't just, uh, they were not only permitting the wealthy to exploit the poor, these leaders were doing it themselves. Leaders were supposed to love the good and hate the evil, but these were just the opposite. They hate the good and love the evil. Now, ideal leaders are described in the Bible uh, in Exodus chapter 18 and verse 21. Uh, God had spoken to Moses and told him, Moreover, look for able men from all people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the place of chi as chief of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. These are the leaders to be in charge. That principle never changed throughout the life of Israel. So when they now are still a divided kingdom, this should have been a principle they were applying. They should have been looking for individuals who were leading, who, who feared God, who were trustworthy, who hated a bribe, uh, who, and placed them uh, over different groups of people. When you go back to another place uh, in the Old Testament, uh, you'll find that uh, Amos, uh, who is Micah's contemporary, here's what he wrote in chapter 5 and verse 14 and 15. He says, Seek good and not evil, that you may live, and so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you as you have said. He said, Hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. And so if you remember anything about their culture, the city gate uh, was the place where the elders would meet to settle any kind of disputes that they may have. It was the place they met to make official decisions. If there was no justice at the city gates, there could be no justice in the land. Someone said this, when you hate something, you want to distance yourself from it. You do what you can to avoid it. When you love something, you want to be as close to it as possible. You want to pursue it. When we think about this verse and we think about that statement, the question comes to mind, why do we love? Why do we hate? Why do we love something, some things and hate other things? Why do we uh, have that dichotomy within us? We love what brings pleasure so often. We love what benefits us. We love what fits our agenda. We love what we have deemed as valuable. Uh, so often we, uh, we, we hate what is distasteful. We hate what doesn't bring pleasure, but instead brings discomfort. We hate what we think is of little or no value. Those are the things we easily toss aside and leave behind. We hate what stands in the way of our agenda. And so here's what the rulers did. They made certain determinations about God's truth and God's law and God's ways because they saw God's law and God's truth as something distasteful. They saw it as something unpleasurable because it stood in the way of what they wanted. It stood in the way of their agenda. And we see that so often today, and we even as believers struggle with that with our sin nature of wanting uh, to, to follow the Lord, but yet the flesh wants to do what the flesh wants to do uh, against God. And, and even Paul himself talked about that, struggling with the flesh and the spirit. And so what they did as leaders, they determined that God's word and God's values and God's law was of little to no value, and that's why they discarded it easily. And that's why they cast it aside. Why? Because their hearts 
were sinful. They were selfish. Their lives were bent downward and inward rather than upward and outward. And so the result of rejecting God's truth, what is right, and rejecting justice is God is ignored and people are abused. And these people in power had used their power to their own advantage. Blaise Pascal, who was a great mathematician and philosopher, he said this, justice without power is powerless. Power without justice is tyrannical. Justice and power must be connected so that what is powerful is also just. It has to be checked, like our checks and balances in our government system. And so when you look at Judah, the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom here, Judah's rulers, like so many in history and in our day, disconnected the two. Uh, they disconnected those two things of, of justice and truth uh, and, 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 uh, and power. And it became unbalanced and it became tyrannical and it became abusive and they took advantage of those under them. In verse 2 through verse 4, though, Notice how Micah describes what happens here. So we read this part at the beginning of verse 2. You hate the good and love the evil, but now Micah gets very graphic. So just a warning in the passage here. He says in verse 2, You who hate the good and love the evil, who tear the skin off my people and their flesh from off their bones who eat the flesh of my people, cannibalism, and flay their skin from off them and break their bones in pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot, like flesh in a cauldron. Wow. When you read that, it offends. It shocks. And that's exactly what Micah is going for in this message. Because it shows the savagery and the cruelty of those who were in power. How it, ex how it exploits uh, the disadvantages of those underneath them. They satisfied themselves. They satisfied the lust of, of their power and success at the expense of others. And their success was built on the suffering of others. Uh, those that they had been tasked with protecting and serving they, ex they extorted. Uh, they, ru the ruined and devoured, uh, they ruined and devoured the lives of others uh, for their own personal gain. And so the description of these rulers' actions is really more like wild animals than that of human beings. Instead of being faithful shepherds who protected the flock, as you see in Micah chapter 2 and verse 12, and again we'll see later in Micah chapter 7 and verse 14, they're attacking the sheep. They're skinning them alive. They're butchering them. They're chopping them up. They're making stew out of them. But God says, but the day is going to come when these wolves in shepherd's clothing are going to cry out for God's mercy, but no mercy is going to be given. That's what it says here in verse 4. So verse 4 goes on to say, Then they, those who have done this injustice, will cry to the Lord, but he's not going to answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because they have made their deeds 
evil. Deuteronomy chapter 3 verse 17 says, Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them and hide my face from them, and they will be devoured, and many evils and troubles will come upon them, so that they will say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? So first, Micah rebukes those who ruled. But then we see secondly, he rebukes the false prophets. We come to verse 5, down through verse 7, eventually verse 8 here. But verse 5 through verse 7 says, Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray, who cry peace when they have something to eat, but declare war against him who puts nothing into their mouths. Therefore, it shall be night to you without vision and darkness to you without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets and the day shall be black over them. The seers shall be disgraced and diviners put to shame. They shall all cover their lips for there is no answer from God. I don't know about you, but that's a terrifying thing to even think about that God would not answer us. And we're crying out to him in our agony and our pain and our suffering that God would not hear us. And yet these people had continued to reject God over and over and over and over. And there came a point and a time in their lives where God said, no more. Judgment is coming. And so Micah has a few words here for the spiritual leaders, especially the prophets of his day. As we're going to see, they were speaking, but they were just saying the wrong things. You know, understand this, power and money can corrupt any area of society, even the church. Understand their lies made it easy for those he just spoke about, the corrupt officials, to carry about their evil deeds. And so Jeremiah, when you go back to Jeremiah, the, the great prophet there, here's what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 5 and verse 30. He, he says, an appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests rule at their direction. My people love to have it so. They like it because they're getting to hear what they want to hear, what makes them feel good. My people love to have it, but what will you do when the end comes? And that's the same question for us today. You know, we may be hearing those who are, who are falsely prophesying, pro falsely proclaiming uh, what they are saying is God's word, uh, that, that God's not going to bring uh, that kind of judgment upon us or whatever. But what are you going to do when the end comes? Understand this, when God is left out of human government, it is easy for officials to use their authority selfishly and to exploit the people. As long as you give them something to eat and drink. That's what Micah chapter 2 and verse 11 uh, speaks about. Now I'm going to preach to you of wine and strong drink. You're going to get all kind of blessings. God's not going to do all these things. These, these prophets that are out there are saying that judgment's going to come. Judgment's going to come. That's a false message. God's a loving God. God's a gracious God. God's a merciful God. And he is. But he is also a holy God. And he is a God of justice and a God of truth. 
And that's what the prophets, the false prophets, were leaving out. They were sharing just enough of the truth to make it a lie. And so often we even see that today. And so what the, what the, prophet, what the, the prophets would declare whatever kind of message the people wanted to hear. And like the false prophets in Jeremiah's day, they proclaimed peace when war and misery were just around the corner. But the time would come when these, these men, these individuals, they themselves would see the light. Uh, they would see, the, 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 who claimed to see the light at least. They were going to be shrouded in darkness, the judgment says. Everybody's going to know that they're counterfeits because they're saying, peace, peace, oh, it's going to be fine. Well, you're going to find out. It's not. It judge, judgment is coming. And, and he says, you're going to cry out to the Lord, but he's not going to answer. The problem with these false prophets is that they weren't easy to spot. They weren't, they weren't wearing the opposing team's jersey. Uh, they were wearing the home team's jersey. Uh, they weren't walking around with shirts that say, I love Baal. They weren't walking around with, with, with shirts that said, who needs the truth? Nobody needs all that that these other prophets are talking about. They likely would have been, would have been uh, from one of the schools of the prophets of Elijah or Elisha that they had established. They wore the right uniform. They knew the right language. They were using uh, their voice. They weren't silent, but they were proclaiming a false message. And, and, and they were tailoring their message to the audience. Now, we're not talking about knowing your audience in order to communicate effectively. Their message changed based on who they were talking to. It's kind of like a doctor telling a cancer patient, oh, there's nothing wrong, and telling a healthy patient that you're dying of cancer. That's cruel. Micah tells them, you detest justice. You twist what is straight. You twist God's Word. You shed blood and you spread injustice. So it's not just that you're taking His truth and twisting it. You're putting that into action because you're, you're taking advantage of others. You're shedding blood. You're spreading injustice. And worse yet, you're doing it all for money. They traded the spiritual good and the eternity of others for temporary gain. They knew better and they didn't care. When you come down to verse 8 though, God's true prophet is described in verse 8. So Micah says, But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. So he's not leaving either one of the nations out. He's speaking to the north, Israel, and he's speaking to the south, Judah. And so Micah uh, lets them know here. This, this prophet he speaks of here is filled with the Spirit, faithfully proclaiming God's message and, and, and unafraid of what the people might say or do. And that's what Micah is doing. Micah fearlessly told the people their sins and warned them, judgment is coming. While the false prophets, they were tickling people's ears, telling them what they wanted to hear. Micah lets them all know there's a steep price for those who claim to know, the, who claim the name of the Lord and then teach and live and practice and proclaim a contradictory message. They may not think calamity will come upon them. You may think that you're going to get away with your sin, but the Bible always tells us always that your sins 
will find you out. They couldn't hear from God, and they wouldn't have a message from the Lord. They wouldn't have any visions. They won't divine messages in any occultic ways. That's part of what they were, he was talking about there. They're going to be ashamed. Their visions and their prophetic utterances are going to be shown to be false, and God is going to make the truth known, and he's going to hide his face from all of them. They're not going to have any peace. They won't know the face of God. In other words, they won't know the favor and the friendship of God. And so Micah rebukes those who rule, the civil authorities, and then he rebukes the false prophets, and finally he rebukes all the leaders of the land. So what do we see Micah doing here? He started at the top, and he's worked all the way down as it continues to spread out and out and out and out and out, and he's covering everybody in God's judgment here. Notice verse 9 down through verse 11. So in verse 9, he goes on again, pay attention, pay attention, hear this. You heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel who detest justice and make crooked all that is straight, who build Zion uh, with the blood and Jerusalem with iniquity, uh, its heads give judgment for a bribe. I'm going to make sure I had it on the screen there. Its head gives judgment for a bribe. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets practice divination for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster is going to come to us. We are God's people. Nothing's going to happen to us. So here in this part of the message, he, he addresses the rest of the rulers, the priests, and the prophets, and he accuses them of numerous sins, committing injustice, distorting the truth, murdering innocent people, accepting bribes, and do, while doing all these evil deeds, while, while do, they're doing all of that, they're claiming to serve the Lord. We're depending on the Lord, they said. Is he not among us? If he's among us, then nothing can happen to us. In other words, it was a hypocrisy of the worst kind. It'd be like us saying, well, I'm a Christian. I've got my salvation. I can live whatever way I want, and nothing's going to happen to me. And yet the Bible proclaims that is false. This ignorance of the Lord's character and the terms of his covenant gave them this false confidence. Since we're Jews, they reason, God's chosen people, since we share in his covenant, the Lord won't ever let anything evil happen to us. Even if we sin, he won't ever abandon us to the enemy. And that's the judgment that they keep hearing over and over. There's somebody who's coming down from the north, the Assyrians, they're going to take Israel, and they're going to take them into captivity, and they're saying, you're crazy. That's not going to happen. We're God's chosen people. He's not going to let anything happen to us. And then they're hearing other prophets who are saying, oh yeah, it's going to happen there, and it's going to happen to you down here in Judah also because the cancer has spread from the north down to the south in this false religion. And he's saying to them, it is going to happen. They were, their thinking wasn't unlike people today who, as Titus chapter 1, verse 16 says, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. So understand that any theology that makes it easy for us to sin is not a biblical theology. Had the rulers and the prophets and the priests 
read and thought about and paid attention, not just to the, priest, to the prophets of God who were speaking, who were truly speaking, like Micah here, or Amos, or Jeremiah, but if they had just gone back to places like Leviticus, the Torah, if they had gone back to those first five books of the Old Testament, to Leviticus chapter 26 or Deuteronomy 28 through 30, they would have discovered that the God of the covenant is a holy God who does not approve and will not approve of any sin. They would have learned that the blessing of the covenant depended upon their obeying the conditions of the covenant and that God punishes his people when they disobey. And so what would, the result of the, uh, what would be the result of the leaders breaking God's law? Go down to verse 12. Verse 12 finishes and says, Therefore, because of you, Zion, shall be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins, and the mountain of the house a wooded height. They're thinking nothing can happen to us in this fortified place here in Jerusalem. Their holy city, he says, though, and their temple is going to be destroyed and thousands of Jews would be exiled to Babylon. Micah chapter 4, verse 10 is going to remind us that again. God would rather destroy the city and the beautiful temple than to allow his people to defile his property with their sins. And in fact, we see that actually happened. The destruction of Jerusalem in 606 to 586 is a reminder of God's people that when God says, be holy, for I am holy, he really means it. Jeremiah wrote this in Lamentations 4.13. This, all this judgment that came, was for the sins of her prophets and the iniquity of her priests who shed in the midst of her the blood of the righteous. Because of their sins, the nation was defeated. The city and the temple were destroyed. And that's why the prophet Micah opened his message by rebuking the spiritual leaders of the land. He's not rebuking the unbelievers. He's speaking to the house of God. He's speaking to us even as believers today. Because here's what 1 Peter chapter 4 Verse 17 says, For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? It matters whether we are living for God or not. Not just speaking it, not just saying it, not just telling half-truths, but telling the whole truth. And so Micah rebuked those who ruled those civil authorities. He rebuked uh, those false uh, prophets in verse 5 through verse 8. And finally, he rebuked the leaders of the land. He left nobody out. And what that says to us tonight is, we better pay attention to the message of God unless we too fall under the judgment of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for who you are and your grace and your mercy. Lord, we thank you for being an awesome and a mighty God. And even though, Lord, we have sinned, we know, God, that you have made a way for us where there seemed to be no way. 
Heavenly Father, I pray that tonight we have seen that, we have heard that, and we have heard and paid attention to the message that you have given us in your word. Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that as we are hearing your truth, I pray, Father, that you will continue to help us to think on these things, uh, to, to make sure, Lord, that we are uh, where we need to be in every aspect uh, of our lives. And Father, I pray that you will help us, Lord, to not just speak it, that we love you, but that we would live it in our hearts and our lives. So thank you, Heavenly Father, for the many blessings that you have given to us. Thank you for uh, just your presence with us. Lord, may you be with us as we depart even tonight. That if we find any inkling of sin in our hearts, may we deal with it immediately, nip it in the bud before it becomes like a cancer in our hearts. So, Heavenly Father, we pray for your blessings upon us tonight. We ask, Lord, for you to watch over us until we come again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, we hope you've enjoyed uh, the service tonight. Uh, I think I've got some things that are going on on the screen there. You may be blacked out on some of it there. I'm trying to get to the place to stop our recording here. But we're glad that you joined us. I'll get it shut off one way or the other. Uh, glad that you joined us. We will see you Sunday morning, uh, 9.15 for Sunday school. If you can come and join us, 10.30 we'll begin our worship service. Uh, we'll be back online then, so uh, come and join us then. As we said, it's a new setup, so be prepared for that uh, when you come uh, this Sunday. Uh, and uh, you'll be pleasantly surprised here, or maybe disappointedly surprised as you see the chairs. But it is what it is until we get our pews back. Uh, so we will work with that, and the Lord will lead us in the days ahead. So you have a safe week. We'll see you this coming Sunday.